Welcome to Talkie Talk, the podcast for the MediaByUs.com. Joining me today is Chris. Hello. Brett. Hi. TJ. Yo. And my name is David, and it's uh, it's good to be back. I missed you guys. We missed doing you this? too. Yeah, it was hard in multiple ways. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> uh, so on today's podcast, we're going to be doing Talk of Fame. We're going to be... Talking about the submission of uh, something I submitted, which was a horror slash comedy slash horror movie, American Werewolf in Paris. Nope. Nope. <laughs> that one would not make the I keep, cut. I keep doing oh, that. I watched the wrong thing. <laughs> Do you guys you, ever see you, that, you, by the way? You can't yeah. watch American Werewolf in Paris right now. It is not available to buy or rent anywhere. Huh. I tried because I was going to watch that shitty sequel. I have seen it before. It's awful. Tom I mean, Everett Scott. Is that his? Yeah. And Julie yeah. Delpy. Yeah. The, the 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 one French girl you Americans put in movies and uh, is she French even yeah yeah, yeah. She's French. Uh, feel like she was like the only the laziest choice for like we need a French girl in like late nineties early two thousand but she's got to be blonde it follows pretty much the exact same plot just not done well yep. so not that movie but we're talking American Werewolf in London nineteen eighty one movie directed by John Landis about uh, Jack and David who are Students backpacking in uh, northern England, around London and stuff, and uh, come across some lycanthropy. Mm. <laughs> Did you notice that the uh, production company was called Lycanthrope Pictures or whatever? Uh, yeah, I didn't notice that. I noticed that at the end. Is that just a joke, or did he actually name a company that for purposes of this film? I don't know. Maybe. So, in American Werewolf in London, you have, uh, like I said, Jack and David. David ends up, so spoilers at this point, getting attacked by a werewolf who, uh, in the middle of the attack, ends up getting shot by the uh, the locals. The curse is passed to him because the werewolf dies and he's attacked and survives. His friend does not survive. Mm-hmm. So he spends the movie bumming around London in the uh, in the in the hospital, hanging around with this English nurse. And uh, meanwhile, his doctor and the police are trying to figure out the mystery around the attack and trying to figure out why some people in uh, this English pub are trying to keep it a secret. He ends up uh, being a big old werewolf. Werewolf. <laughs> yep, that's pretty much it. <laughs> All right, so as usual, we'll, we'll run through our uh, questions of, of note regarding the movie. Uh, we always start with the simplest one. Was the movie entertaining? There's a simpler one that's been added. We'll get to that later. Okay. It's later in the list. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was definitely entertaining, I thought. Was anybody not entertained? No, it was entertained. I was entertained. I thought it was entertaining. Yeah. Was this anyone's first time watching? It was my first time watching it. Um, I thought. But then I think I've seen it on TV on like a sick day in high school. Yeah, it's my first time watching it beginning to end for sure. Yeah. I have watched it once before and did not remember most of anything that happened in London. Like I remembered the Moors very well. And everything about those scenes were were the same. And then I was was a complete blank on what happened after that for me. American Werewolf in Northern England. Yeah. (laughs) I've I've seen that. Do you have any kind of uh, emotional response to this movie? I, I really didn't. Just I, I think it's because it's it's hard for me with with comedies or horror movies, and this is a bit of both for me to have a strong emotional reaction to it. So yeah, I agree, I, and I think we should open that can of worms back up, <clears throat> and we will later. 
um, the horror comedy, whatever this is. Um, I think it's particularly important with this. Sure. But we'll we'll yeah, do that too. later. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I think probably the closest that I got to feeling any kind of like emotional pull from it was when Dave is bedside the first time, you know, trying to tell him, like, he's like, no, like, you're, you're dead. Like, you can't be here. Like, that was probably the, the closest I got. But like, any, like, the romance or anything, like, the romance was so, like, fratty <laughs> that it was, yeah. I mean, I don't think that. It definitely didn't elicit one from me, but I don't think it was necessarily supposed to. I feel like horror movies genuinely don't, even great ones. Right. Like, I'm trying to think, like, The Shining, Halloween, Cabin in the Woods, fantastic <laughs> horror films that I mean, don't, right. they don't elicit a emotional response from I feel from like at all. they more, the purpose is more to try to elicit a physical response rather than an emotional one for horror and comedy, both. Yeah. Yeah. What about a sense of, like, but like a sense of terror? I didn't really get that from this movie. <clears throat> Um, but I could get it from some horror movies. No, and that's hard because it's so subjective too. It's like we talked about this on last week's podcast. Well, sure, that, that you think Aliens one of the scariest movies, but it elicits no fear or horror for me. Right, but it has nothing to do with the movie being good or not. I think it's hard with horror. I think, I think part of it was suspenseful for me. Like a particular scene that I really loved was the uh, the first person POV in the subway tube, mm-hmm. really where you good. got hit, him chasing it, and it, it feels real visceral. Mm-hmm. And then there's the the shot from the top of the escalator, and you're seeing like as little as possible, and you, you see this guy get murked. But I really like the uh, the thrill of that. Yeah, that you was know, fun. Running through the real claustrophobic tunnels of the the London tube. Yeah, this is one of the better scenes. So how long had it been since you had seen it, David? Probably a good 10, 15 years. Okay. So was the movie what you remembered it being, more or less? Or was it different in any way? Or, and for those of you who had not seen it, was it what you thought it would be? I remember it being like described as a horror comedy, but it's a lot funnier than I remembered. Yeah. Especially any stuff with Griffin Dunn, and especially at the end, one of my favorite scenes is the, the theater, where they're all talking about how he should kill himself, and they're just... They're the most optimistic, gleeful zombies. That theater scene is people. so good. Yeah, it's so absurd and surreal. But I forgot how f- funny it was, or I didn't get the humor as much the first time. Yeah, I thought <clears throat> I thought going into it that it was more of a straight up and down horror with some funny parts to it. Mm-hmm. So I was <clears throat> surprised, kind of both ways, that it was way more comedy than it was horror. I didn't find <clears throat> really any bit of it particularly terrifying or fear-inducing or dreadful, um, even for the characters who knew exactly what was going to happen, when it was going to happen. And, you know, the only the only real question that got answered was who it was going to happen to, which is still, like, kind of a clusterfuck and kind of dark comedy in the end. I mean, I know that's a particularly gruesome scene uh, after the movie theater when they're out in, in traffic. All yeah. those people dying in such, like, horrible ways. Like, none of them are actually caused by the werewolf. Except right. for the one police inspector, yeah, and that's it. Real dark black humor, I think. The like, not Rube Goldberg, but just like the cacophony of murder that yeah, happens yeah. with all like the cars. For John Landis does right. I was looking for it, but I didn't, yeah. didn't see oh, it. I didn't. Yeah, I uh, thought it was fantastic. Uh, not to jump ahead, but fantastic editing. How they do it, it's just like quick crash into a crash into a crash, and then you know someone goes through like a plate glass window. But the editing in general was really good. I mean, we'll we'll hit that later. But. I mean, might as well hit it now while we're on it. Oh, um, the dream sequences were edited really well. For I forgot, us. yeah, I also forgot how many dream sequences there are in there. Yeah, like, I know there's a famous one of these like uh, scary moments in horror movies 
is I, I love those kind of playlists on YouTube. Yeah. Where the, you see these little clips. Brought to you by Looper. But like the... Or Watch uh, Mojo. The Nazi imagery dream sequence where his whole family is, mm-hmm. you know, brutally murdered by yeah. like these zombie uh, Nazi demons. Yeah. As far as eight, 1981 goes, I think pretty brutal and pretty interesting. Right. Then you got a lot of stuff like being in the forest and him having his, uh, like the thriller eyes <laughs> all <Yeah>. of a sudden. <laughs> Going back to the car crashes, uh, this was like I, f- I feel like this finished off John Landis's car crash trilogy of uh, which started with Animal House, mm-hmm. which has uh, the the parade at the end has like uh, mm-hmm. some big mm-hmm. car crashes, and Blue, then Blues, Blues Brothers, Brothers has yeah. fifty car crashes, which is just yeah. like yeah, I mean the the scene where there's like the big bow of cars or whatever from Blues Brothers came to mind when mm-hmm. I was like, man, John Landis clearly worked in a car crash budget. <laughs> into his every movie he made back at, at this time. Maybe he just really hates cars. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, anything about the storytelling choices uh, that stuck out to any of you? I did notice that... What do you think about the way... The abrupt ending to the movie as a... like, It's a, kind of an abrupt start and an abrupt end. I mean, there's not... There's nothing after after his death that I mean, it, it, it goes straight from him lying there to Blue Moon. Yeah, because I mean that's the the point, right? Was that once he dies, it's it's over. all over, you know. So I mean, I, I thought it was clever. And it know? is it is right after uh, the nurse. I think her name's Alex. Alex um, says she loves him back. Is it maybe for the first time? I can't remember. Yeah, yeah but she says I love you to the werewolf. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And then the werewolf tries to attack her anyway, and the werewolf gets shot. It was is weird there... because that's like the one moment of the movie where you might start to like feel something for mm-hmm. maybe her character, and then before you get a chance to, it's just like no nope, credits. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was an interesting choice. Uh, did you like the ending? Did you like it? Yeah, it sounds like you did. Yeah. I mean, it's a it's a story that's been told yeah many times before the movie was made. Yeah. You know, it's pretty basic werewolf stuff. I even looked up, like, the werewolf dies because people walk the earth, which is not something I'd heard of. And that's an old Mm. werewolf trope. Nice. Mm. So, it's pretty standard. It's just done in a city and with a bunch of comedy. Yeah. That is a big change, though. Like, the the more at the beginning is your your typical your typical setting for all those Lon Chaney werewolf movies and, like, the Benicio Del Toro werewolf movie. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You get, you get a lot of fun, horror, murder fun, but fun out of being in a city like the subway attack, people waiting outside an apartment. It's just unique setting for the, the stuff to take place in. Yeah. Nice variation for me. Did you find the characters compelling or well-developed? I mean, this is uh, one of the weaker aspects of the movie for me. Is yeah. that There really wasn't much to the characters. They were kind of just... No, I thought to be the best character was uh, Jack. Jack. Jack's the main character? No. David's the main character. Jack is the fr- undead friend. Yes. Okay. David is played by David Naughton. Yeah. Okay. Right. That's yeah. how I was keeping it straight during the movie. Uh, no, but I like the character of Jack. Oh, okay. Gotcha. The yeah. friend. Yes. Jack. I agree. Zombie. Yeah. I thought it was just such an interesting, funny take on it. Is that like he's undead and wants you know retribution? Basically, he wants to move on with his life, but he's just like so optimistic and like talking to his buddy. It's like, have you ever talked to zombies? It's boring <laughs> it's, it's just I thought it was just so unique yeah. what, what they did with that character and Griffin Dunn is clearly having a, a lot of fun when they're in Alex's apartment he grabs a little Mickey Mouse doll it's like Damien 
<laughs> yeah, I like it's like, what, just bizarre little choices and stuff like yeah. that. And him in the theater still, what do you like? Bad never? Mm-hmm. Hi, David. It's like, oh, God. Uh, is there a scene from the movie that you particularly will take away from it, you think? That will stick with you? I think it's two that we've already touched on for me. It's the, the subway chase is fantastic. And the yeah, theater scene at the end is I think they're hilarious. both good. I don't know how memorable they'll be for me. I think for me the most memorable is maybe the pub scene at the start. Where yeah. it's all just super awkward and all mm. the people are... Yeah. It's really funny though too. Just how, how tense it is and talking about the Alamo... He tells that hilarious. joke, yeah, and like I felt bad because I was like, "Oh, is it? A, was there a joke in there? And like I, maybe that's part of it. It's just that like everybody thinks it's hilarious and there's nothing there. I don't know. It was weird. <laughs> thinks that Americans were oppressing Mexicans. <laughs> yeah, but like, why? Why is that a joke in Northern <laughs> England? <laughs> a dark pub. I don't know. I like how they all hated that movie, the John Wayne movie. So specific. <laughs> yeah, like the one guy just, what's he says? He says it's rubbish. Mm-hmm. I think he's like, that movie's rubbish. And the entire pub erupts in laughter. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like finally, someone took down that bastard John Wayne. I like it. They're all like just joking, and the Americans finally start joking with them. It's like, yeah, what's with the candle and the little pent- pentangle? And I was like, <laughs> that was here when we when we got here. We didn't really want to mess it up. <laughs> I wonder what kind of stakes that guy had riding on that dart game. He was real upset about yeah. this in the dartboard. I've never hit that wall. I got, you know, th- none of those characters are named, but those pub characters I think are are compelling in their own right. Mm-hmm. I love the the bald guy, like that's kind of the ringleader, mm-hmm. the dart dude. You made me miss. Yeah, and think- the the for lack of a better term, the the bar. Wench, yeah. it's like doing all the cups, and it's kind of the conscious you conscience do, for the pub. You can absolutely use a better term. <laughs> you know, Maiden, like like a pub wench, ale slave, uh, <laughs> booze hound, wench of the house. I mean, there are many words you could use besides bar. I think a memorable scene for me when I was uh, thinking about it before I'd rewatched it, and it's still pretty memorable, is the transformation scene. I think uh, maybe we'll touch on it later, but I think it still does hold up. Some of it is a little dated, but some of it's still like really impressive. It's That's also super important, even if it is dated. Yeah, it led the way to so much. Mm. Yep. In my and in my head, I thought that Bad Moon Rising plays while he does the transformation, but it's actually just beforehand when he's just like bored at Alex's apartment. He's <laughs> like, I'm still not hungry. <laughs> it's just like trying to read books. <laughs> the soundtrack was super fun. It's all the moon songs. Yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's like a cheesy way to do yeah. it, too. Yeah. It's like, uh, what are what top 100 songs in the past 10 years had the word moon in the title? <laughs> yeah. I want those. And also, uh, he couldn't, he didn't apparently have that much time to look up many of them, so he only <laughs> found about three, and one was Blue Moon, and he just got all the versions of Blue Moon. <laughs> you think there's a theme to this movie? Because I really don't. I just think it's a have fun. Have fun in a horror setting kind of movie. Well, a lot of horror movies are real easy um, parables about uh, moral choices, like it's in Friday the Thirteenth and Nightmare on Elm Street. That kind of that's the slasher things are the easy morality of like mm-hmm. don't have sex. It's the things that's in Scream. I had trouble with this one, but maybe it's just about owning up to your fate or something. Because from the very beginning of the movie, we know what could solve the problem is that he's the last werewolf. It is selfish for him to keep on going because he's going to keep accumulating people in that theater of the undead. Making more werewolves, maybe. And he's yeah. facing his... You know, he's facing the uh, 
the result of his, it's not really his fault, but the result of his actions or inaction to just see if it's going to go away is he's faced with that in the theater. All the people that he's he's hurt. Maybe it's just like owning up to it, something like that. I, I'm, I, mean, I'm I, struggling. I, I think you're there. I think when movies are based off of old stories, mm-hmm. they still have that theme. The theme still carries. It's not original. The reason behind the old like, stories. Yeah, it's like talking about the, the theme for like Passion of the Christ or something. You know what the theme is, even though it's the theme that's been talked about for 2,000 years. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So I mean, I think that I think David's right. I think there there is a theme there, and it's it's. Do you do you think that David is somewhat responsible for Jack dying? Yes, that, I, that's that's something that I kind of pulled out of it. Is even like despite Jack being kind of upbeat about being a zombie, but still being like, all right, David, like kill yourself. There's still I still go back to I, I don't understand how David doesn't feel guilty because when Jack gets attacked, he sprints away. Mm-hmm. You know, not that he could have done anything, maybe, um, but he sprints away. He was the reason why they went through the moors instead of staying at the pub, like, and that doesn't really show in his character. I was, I was hoping to see a little more of that, some, some remorse. Yep. And at the beginning, I think it's purposeful that, you know, what is he going to do? He does run away, right. but it's purposeful that the movie shows him like all of a sudden running back. Mm-hmm. Is that like, oh, he made a mistake doing that, mm-hmm. not sticking with his friend, and his friend was. Horribly maimed. The yeah. mistake's also him turning back, though, right? Like, that creates the problem. If he just kept running, they come with guns, they shoot the werewolf, it's all over. <laughs> you know? True. Yeah. I mean, I mean he didn't sure. know that, but I'm just saying, like, as far as the film goes, yeah. if he stayed and fought, there wouldn't have been a yeah. bunch of people I'm, dead in the I'm really surprised that these villagers have not procured some sort of just small island somewhere off in the sea to just send their werewolf. You know, if they... Instead of having this perpetual problem, just put him in a cage. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why that's not a thing. They just they lock this guy up every one, one weekend days. a month. You yeah. got to go in your basement hole right. that we've made for you. You know, the villagers face the same problem that David does, and the people around David is they know what's going to stop this, but his humanity is there most of the time. So it's a hard moral decision to make: is to end a human life. Because you know this is going to happen. Mm-hmm. The villagers around this old guy, and presumably they have this history with him, or they would have just murdered him in his bed at some point, and it would have been over. Mm-hmm. So they have the same guilt, <clears throat> you know, that they say at the beginning. It's mm-hmm. like, how can we let them out when, there? When they're like, arguing about they it. made their choice. It's the same thing that like the nurse and the doctors and everybody around David later on face. It's like they figure out what has to happen, but he yeah. keeps on going because his his forward fronting personality is his humanity. And only at night is he often doing horrible things. And I mean, maybe you have to break reality at some point there and say, like, if they lock him up in a room and he doesn't eat, he'll, I don't know, you're killing a human. Because, I mean, that happens in American World from Paris, I think. Yeah. Is they, they're like, all right, we'll fix this. He was going to get locked up overnight in a cell. And that movie sucked. So, <laughs> <laughs> And he breaks yeah. out of the cell immediately. Probably. Yeah, I'm not saying I would have preferred that in this no. movie. It's just right, one of those yeah, questions yeah. you ask about characters just to make sense of it. Like, uh, I don't know, they figured it out on Buffy. Oz got put into uh, <laughs> do a, we, a cell. Do we know who that guy is? Do we know that they know who he is, even? Is the first werewolf? Yeah. Who knows? Do they just know there's a werewolf that runs amok in the moors mm-hmm. every 30 days? And he... Well, I guess that's possible. Yeah. 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 But it's also, I think, I mean, there's clearly backstory that you know we just talked about it, that we don't know about the the villagers it could have 
it could be something stupid that the the pentangle and the candles are like a ward of protection and the werewolf will never attack them. So it's not their problem. Yeah, I mean, I did think about that when I was watching. I was like, oh, they're going to have a fun night because they can't leave. They're just like, I'll stay in that pub until sunrise. Yeah. <laughs> Get real drunk, play darts. And like, if that's if that's their thing, then that's, you know, and their, their task is to mm-hmm. like bring in weary travelers who haven't been attacked by the werewolf yet, then, you know, maybe they're doing the best they can there and not like trying to hunt a werewolf who's, you know, just a unlucky person every 30 days. I kind of like how how the movie does leave it unexplained and up to your imagination. This, you know, you come across this long backstory of this pub. Uh, I like how it does it. That mm-hmm. it doesn't really explain all, all of the history of them, yeah. but you know it's it's been there for a long time. This isn't their first radio either. Of like yeah. People walking in. And yeah. But guilt, I think, is a thing that runs through the movie for that reason. Mm-hmm. I think it stops at a point, though. Like, I, don't, I don't think that, the, I don't think that David ever feels like remorseful. I don't think he he ever gets to that point. I think that once the werewolf is 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 in the story, that's the main focus, and it's never like, oh, I feel bad. I should do the right thing. Like He's he, a couple of trips away. I think. Yeah, he never considers like doing the right thing or whatever because that means that he kills himself. Well, I think he does feel remorse when he tries to get arrested. Yeah, but he could just kill himself. He knows killing himself ends it. He also and he doesn't do that. He also is like, I'm going to do something bad tonight. That's what he feels guilty about is his his him killing later, not about his friend being killed. Maybe it's like a uh, maybe it's an American thing. He's too self-involved to end it by killing himself. Maybe, like he, maybe. he needs to be able to survive by maybe. being put in a jail. Maybe he needs his Alamo. Yeah. <laughs> 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 What about the performances from the cast in the movie? Any that stood out in a good or bad way? I, I thought Griffin Dunn was very funny, and he's about the only thing that stood out to me. As he was as good. I think the pub people were good. David touched on that earlier. I thought they were fun. Yeah. We all noticed Frank Oz, of course, because it's a John Landis movie. That's but right. No. Frank Oz, short answer. Frank Oz jumping in. The guy's just found out <laughs> his best friend's dead. Frank Oz gives it maybe 12 seconds yeah. or so to, before he's like, Hi, I'm from the embassy. <laughs> he's so, like, I've taken by care. It. So yeah. you try to do something for somebody. <laughs> yeah. But for me, it, it's Griffin Dunn. I think he's awesome in this movie. Yeah, he is. I think he's actually a memorable character for me in this movie. He's so fun. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He is really funny. He's funny at the beginning too, even before he's a zombie. I yeah. really like his their interactions together when they're when they're walking around. I don't like just it's a lot of the like toss up stuff that's like the the reasons that I like Bill Murray is like little toss up things are hilarious where they are hitching a ride with the sheep and uh, Jack just says bye ladies yeah. when, the, when the, the cart of sheep like leaves just little tossed off lines like that I don't know where to brute to mention don't this bad. so I'll just do it now but uh, I really I really like the okay so there, when he's trying to get arrested and mm-hmm. he says something about Prince Charles mm-hmm. and uh, could have been pretty incendiary in 1981 mm-hmm. and then uh, at the end of the movie the in the credits the film is is uh, congratulates Prince Charles on his wedding yeah. to uh, yeah. to Diana. Yeah, <laughs> I, I love that little <laughs> joke. That's a fantastic follow up to that joke. Mm-hmm. My, which now is a horrible segue, but to about plot holes that aren't really plot holes, like just things you think about. It's better be related to the credits. <laughs> <laughs> no, but him like going on a backpacking trip with his friend, his friend getting killed, him being in the hospital for three weeks, and like him just being like, I'm just gonna hang out here though. <laughs> And not go home, mom and dad. Just <laughs> live in London now. Yeah, not gonna go explain what happened to my best friend's like family. Yeah, not gonna go to that funeral. 
like I don't know, just a thought. Well, they had the funeral without him at least. Like that was they Uh, because he was there for three weeks. (laughs) I love that scene, Jack telling him about the funeral. He's just so like gossipy. It's like he'll never guess who Susan slept with. (laughs) Yeah, it's when Susan sleeps with the other guy. And you know, David is kind of out of it, and he's like, "Susan slept with her," (laughs) and just like gets drawn into the gossip, even though he's in the hospital bed. All right, moving on to like behind the kind of behind the scenes stuff, and uh, I think we're gonna try a new format where we don't necessarily hit on every every one of these individually. But uh, what technical achievements of the movie stood out to you? And I'm happy to start. The visual effects and the makeup, I thought, were, were great. Like, the visual effects of that transformation scene really hold up, I think. I mm-hmm. think they hold up quite well. And they're, like, it did not seem that cheesy to me. It's hard. I don't, it's, it's weird, because I don't think they hold up. We've talked some about this off-cast, but holding up is weird, because I think any movie made around that time is going to have special effects that I wouldn't say hold up. But they hold up in the way that, <clears throat> they uh, they paved the way, for lack of a better phrase. Sure. I think they're important in that aspect. I wish I had an example of a bad movie from the time that, that like, something I think it of could be worse. hold up. Yeah, but I mean, I don't, I don't think that they're mutually exclusive. I don't think a good one from 1980 has to hold up. You know what I mean? Because it doesn't, because that looks like shit compared to, you know, American Werewolf in Paris looked better than this movie did. I mean, it's a way worse movie. You know what yeah, I mean? So- in a way worse special effects for the time. Right, but while effects can be better, I don't know. I, I think there's a. I still think a, like good effects from a from an era can hold up well. Because I think like Star Wars movies from that era, I think their effects hold up. I think they still. I don't know. Some of them. Yeah. Some of them are awful. I think. Yeah, like the claymation green screen stuff is still like really bad. <clears throat> kind of a yeah uh, a a red flag of a movie that's from an era is like the, the Rancor in Star Wars is like pretty bad. Yeah, the Rancor is not great. Well, like Ghostbusters has pretty good visual effects throughout, but as soon as you get those, like the demon dogs on each side of Zool, yeah. running, running through the city, you know, it is very, from a different movie. The running Clash animations. The yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. I don't know. What I thought was really cool about the visual effects, and just thinking about it, you know, I'm not a film historian. I don't know that much about the time or beforehand. Fucking act like it. <laughs> well, I do put on my airs before before we start recording. <laughs> um, but I think a lot of the makeup beforehand for creature stuff was a creature coming into frame and it having makeup. The transformation scene I think is so groundbreaking because you, it's the transition from human to unnatural thing that I don't think you got a lot. Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, think the whole up thing is semantics. Groundbreaking, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Even like at, by the time you get to the, I think at the very end of the movie. Seeing that it basically looks like a big dog is a little disappointing. Yeah, yeah. Especially how little you've seen it. Like the subway scene, seeing it from the top of the escalator, I think was awesome. Yeah. But at the it end... it kind of comes out of the shadows. Yeah. Of, at the yeah. end, you kind of got to see it, and it's like a big wolf or dog. I mean, that's that's probably why they shot like a lot of those scenes. A and a yeah. tranquilizer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. They, they shot that scene at the subway because they could get away with it looking kind of... Yeah. It's more realistic. Or, you, you know, you get that POV... Hunt. Yeah, they were they were they were troubled in deciding whether they wanted to show it at all. Yeah, apparently until the the final scene, um, they'd have the transformation in just the final scene. Um, I don't know if it worked better this way. Um, I also thought the makeup on uh, Jack as an undead guy was pretty effective too. Yeah, I thought that was way more impressive. Than yeah, the, the hanging stuff, hanging yeah. bits of flesh that actually I don't know. I kind of like wince a little bit sometimes when I look at like some of the <clears> wounds <throat> on his face, especially when he visits him in the hospital. And then when he, like, decays and starts to, like, turn gray, almost, 
when he's in the apartment. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then he's like, it's basically like a animatronic skeleton in the theater. And they've got all the people that, based on when he killed them, at their varying stages of decay mm-hmm. in the theater. I mean, I, I, the yeah, all the the people in the theater, I thought the makeup was. That's mm-hmm. where it jumped out at me big. Mm-hmm. And they they get a big helping hand from it being a dimly lit theater. Yeah, that helps it look both realistic and kind of you know let them cut corners here yep. and there. Flaws are so it makes it look really good, super noticeable. Well, the movie holds a special place in Oscar history. Uh, it's the first ever movie to win Best Makeup yeah. at the Oscars. So we're right about it. The makeup is great. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was reading that is the makeup category was created because the year before the Elephant Man came out and people were upset that there was no way to reward the Elephant Man for its makeup. And so they created the category. Then roll my eyes at the Academy. Like, we have to reward it somehow. It's like, go fucking watch it. <laughs> God. Does everything have to have an award? But uh, they get, who's the makeup guy for this movie? Rick, Rick, Rick Baker. Rick Baker. And he's going on to win six more. I think he's the uh, he's won seven Oscars, I believe, mm. for That's makeup over the years. Yeah, he's, he's he like was. the preeminent Hollywood makeup guy. Like him and Stan Winston are like... Creature and makeup. Yeah, Stan Winston. Wizards. Okay, so Is that household name? <laughs> Stan Winston did like Jurassic Park. Oh, okay. You heard of that movie, Chris? <laughs> yeah. Maybe it should have been like Stan Winston, Jurassic Park. We're going to talk in parentheticals now. <laughs> Everyone knows Stan. I'm going to talk a link to IMDb at you. Apparently there is, uh, uh, Griffin Dunn did kind of hate filming this movie because of how much time he had to spend in makeup. About. And by the time he got like on set and like performing his lines he just like had no energy so I think that makes his performance even better yeah it's amazing Um, but it's just a funny side note alright of the main cast and the director would you is there anyone you would consider this their like greatest achievement their best performance their best movie how does it stand I don't know that any of the actors are that eminent where it means that much right I was gonna say yeah I was gonna say nobody worth mentioning it's the number one Griffin Dunn movie I know he's been a character (laughs) actor and stuff but that's pretty much the biggest actor that's in this movie and it's besides Frank Oz also I mean David Naughton's greatest greatest performance because his other the only other performance he's notable for is being a pepper in a Dr. Pepper ad pretty much Uh, I feel like that's about it um but controversial opinion Lauren I think it's John Landis's best Oh. Even though he directed Animal House and Blues Brothers. He also directed Blues Brothers 2000. I don't know if you knew that. Ooh, <laughs> let me think. <laughs> I would say... I will disagree with you there. Yeah. I, I would have... I think... So, I think he's better when he's more... I, I think because it goes from horror to comedy and kind of back and forth, it's it's a little less than these straight comedies for me. Because I think Landis is at his best when he's just doing pure comedy. And I think that's when this movie is at its best, is the funny moments, like with Griffin Dunn and whatnot. And so, for me, I would still put Blues Brothers and Animal House probably above this for Landis. But it's near the top for me. I would put Trading Places and Coming to America above Oh, I forgot those, yeah. I would put Three Amigos above it. I mean, I know it's it's a panned movie, but it's one of my favorite. Three Amigos would be a fun a fun rewatch sometime because um, I know critics hated that movie, and I was I loved it as a child, but forgot about Trading Places. Yeah, (laughs) probably. Did you do Coming to America? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm looking at something that he wrote and directed, and it's because that's this movie, and then it's not much more. It's Blue Brothers, so you guys, one of your guys' favorites are still up there. Twilight Zone, the movie. Schlock, whatever the fuck that is. Blues Brothers 2000, Susan's Plan, and that's it. Yeah. 2010's Burke and Hare. 
starring Andy Serkis and Simon Pegg. Hmm. It's the last movie he directed. He took a decade break and then came flying back in with Burke and Hare. So yeah, if we're considering just what he wrote and direct, I know we're I'm slicing in a little bit. That would probably be my favorite of his. Written and directed. Okay. Over Blues Brothers for me. Nice. So a split decision, but at the very least, it's it's in it's in the it's running. up there. But I think John Landis is also pretty impressive. Yeah, especially contribution to uh, the eighties. Yeah, he's especially. one of the greatest comedy directors ever. He's I mean, I know, we don't really talk about it, but you really can't ignore this movie's uh, influence on music videos. Yeah, either. I mean, mm-hmm. the most famous music video ever because he made this movie that we're talking about. You know what I mean? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's and he also made that music video, right? Did yeah, do Thriller. But I mean, Michael Jackson saw Barry Moore from London and was like, Right. That. I want that guy. <laughs> <laughs> he also directed Michael Jackson's video for Black or White, which is a great music also video. A great yeah, it's pretty good. It's all about transformation. What's, what's Time Out? Is that the one with George Wendt and Macaulay Culkin? Is that Black or White? Black or White is the one where it's just the people against the white screen and they're saying the lyrics to the song. Twilight Zone is. They're uh, shaking their heads right. and it changes into Gremlins, oh, right. Vietnam, yeah. and. There's the kid who... Kid. Is it Kid? It might be the kid one. That was a really good one if he directed that segment. What are you guys the talking kid, about? The kid with the power? Yeah, the... Watching the TV and stuff? John Landis like directed one of the four Twilight Zone segments. Well, it's called Time Out. I was trying to figure mm-hmm. out which one it is. I bet it's the, the kid. There. Griffin Dunn directed one of the mini segments of Movie 43. Oh, man. <laughs> he also directed uh, <laughs> Practical Magic, I think. Whoa! Really? I like that movie. Or... Wait, what's the witch movie with, like, Nicole Kidman? Practical Magic. Okay, yeah, and that's that's the one he directed. Hmm. Hold on, I got got a deep dive into Griffin. He Dark directed now. the Nazi guy, dude. So yeah, he's he's had a few. He had a uh, some other romantic mm-hmm. comedy movie with Matthew Broderick and someone else. Simply Irresistible, maybe, mm-hmm. or Simply Irresistible, or some other Robert Palmer song. Addicted to Love. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's Addicted to Love. He nice. did that movie. Yeah, so any Movie 43 fans out there, which does not include me, <laughs> yeah. but... Uh, he did direct Practical Magic. Look he directed this, <laughs> the part with Emma Stone, apparently. John Landis directed The Stupids. That movie was stupid. It's going to be a good soundbite. David, you know what you know? <laughs> you know what you know Griffin Dunn from? War Machine. Yeah. <laughs> Don't remind, okay, David. <laughs> I'm talking about movies. He's also... Like, is he the one from this movie that's also in uh, Dallas Buyers Club? Yes. As the, as the doctor? Dr. Vass. He, he pops up all over yeah. the place. Yeah. He <laughs> pops up. He <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on. Yeah. Um, so was, the, was the film financially successful? Uh, industry. So first we, we look at like Mass Appeal and uh, it did not make a ton of movie compared uh, a, a ton of movie. It did not make a ton of money compared to other movies of its era. It made 60 million at the box office. Oh, I what, $10 million budget there or something? Well, that's the next part. Like it's, it's when you compare it to its budget, sure, but right. it wasn't like a sensation where everybody was going to the theater. To see it. Right. I don't know if that was a distribution thing or... Apparently the production companies were kind of mad that, that Landis didn't want to do another straight comedy. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if there was some corporate infighting. Yeah. But it, it was a it was a financial success compared to its budget because its budget was $10 million and it made 60 So that's a, that's a good... Um, I think it's impressive that, that the $10 million you have up on the screen... I think they, yeah. they do a pretty good job with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think the movie was a little bit before its time as far as audiences go? Because I could see that. I could see that. I think it would have possibly been a bigger hit later. Yeah. 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 I think that's maybe it. Maybe I with John Landis's name attached to it, audiences just didn't quite know what to make of it. Like, because it is. I saw one review that said like it's more horrifying than scary, more clever than funny. I think that's well said. I think the the jokes that are funny are clever jokes and yeah. not like. 
Blues Brothers Animal House jokes. Right. But you do have the zoo scene. The zoo scene is like straight up Animal House. Yeah. <laughs> it is the the John Belushi running across the lawn yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. I, I think uh, I think it's ahead of its time being a horror comedy that's not a spoof. Yeah. Like I know uh, Young Frankenstein is here, but that's more spoofing the genre. Mm-hmm. This is I think this is a great thing where it is a horror comedy in a genre while also being an entry in the horror genre. Right. Something that like Shaun of the Dead and other movies and Scream that that we love, I think. Scream. 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 Get a bagel with some scream. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's a a good segue to the next question. Is it important to film history? Is it important to cream cheese? Uh, (laughs) Is it important to bagels? I don't need a bagel without it. Why does scream? But why doesn't Philadelphia do that in October and have scream cheese <laughs> <laughs> with like a ghost on it? Just orange. I thought you meant that movie yeah. Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you why they don't do it. In the court scene, it's kind of please get some scream cheese. It's like Fogo de Chow, where like when I'm done, I flip my card over. <laughs> <laughs> Opt out. So you were saying that, that scream cheese was a good segue? <laughs> well, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I've completely lost what I was thinking of. Trailblazer in the genre of comedy that's horror. Yes, yeah. Um, so clearly, I think we would agree that it's it's an important movie because it influenced a lot of cinema after it. Right? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I liked Young Frankenstein and I like spoof horror movies, but this is, I think this, this set a different uh, trail than that. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It blazed that trail. What are some like modern movies that kind of owe their existence to to this? Well, I think Scream. I think Cabin in the Woods. I think Shaun of the Dead. Shaun of the Dead is something that comes to mind. Legitimately, they legitimized their horror while having uh, dark humor throughout. Yeah, it kind of dispels the idea. Like, so we're dealing with this ghoulish thing. Like, people will still have a sense of humor. Mm -hmm. Like, that's it's it's more of a real world view of it. And that's the oeuvre of Shaun of the Dead. Mm-hmm. The the friendship in Shaun of the Dead, it, that that seems like a direct descendant mm-hmm. of this movie to me. Mm-hmm. Okay, is it, uh, is, it some, is it one of the better movies of its genre? And I guess first off, what would you call its genre? Here, we have another Matrix in my mind. Like, Where it's... Is Matrix an action movie or, or a sci-fi movie? I think this movie was really funny. And it's also a horror movie that... Comedy parts I thought were better for me. I think it's more of a comedy than a horror. If I had to pick one of the two, I would I would say comedy dash horror and not horror dash comedy. Yeah. I'm yeah, just remembering, it's... like the the theater is great for all the undead people, but the porno itself is Holy so shit. fucking funny. Yeah, I it's laughed like, so hard at the. Go ahead. It's like so British, and it's like Mary, and it walks in. And it's like I've never seen you before. Oh, my bad. Yeah, it was that whole kind of. How could you? How could I what? Not you, her. (laughs) You said you never before. You said you would never do this. I said no such thing. Oh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) It's like such like a parody of Englishness in a porno. Yeah, it's like Faulty Towers that they were all nude and banging. The name of the movie. See you next Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. Part of what makes it a good comedy, first and foremost, and not a horror, first and foremost. Uh, I mean, it's not one of the. It's not a movie I think of as one of the best ever, unless you unless you include both. Like comedy horror, right? Like it doesn't come to mind as one of my favorite comedies, but I, think, I, think I also don't really hold that again. That's this is just a question that's that's 
It know, invites I mean, comparison. We're yeah. all huge comedy fans, mm-hmm. so that that's a tough uh, that's a tough mountain to climb. Well, we're pretty big. They don't know. <laughs> you could we could eat so much spring cheese right now. <laughs> you you can hear it in my voice in my voice. You know that there's lots of meat on my throat. <laughs> I wonder if it how much influence it actually had, and when we, there's no way we could answer this, but like on the immediate future of scary ish comedies. Like Ghostbusters and Gremlins, mm-hmm. like I wonder if it had any or what level of effect it had on on those movies being so successful. Because I mean, Ghostbusters is scary if you're six year old. Some yeah. of that stuff is. I don't funny. know if it had a huge effect on success because I don't know that this movie was like as much of a hit with American with, with like audiences, but I think it has more of an influence on the filmmakers. Yeah, mm-hmm. like Edgar does. Edgar Wright interviews. He talks about John Landis as an influence. I could I could see that as more of an influence than with opening audiences to a concept or something like that. Like the Evil Dead franchise took a definite comedic turn. Yeah, after this movie came out, you know what I mean. Like from one to two, two was way more comedy than one was in Evil Dead. So I don't know if they were like, oh. We can do that, and it's fun. But I'm wondering if, in talking about this, is this a bias that I'm not thinking about movies in the late 70s that did this really well? I well, just can't think of any. I'm looking at the... I got a list pulled up, and that's mm-hmm. why I was scrolling through. And, like, I don't... Attack of the Killer Tomatoes was 78. Rocky Horror Picture Show was 75. But, I mean, you can see how... And this is Wikipedia, but, like, this is the 70s, how many movies there are by year that are mm-hmm. in horror comedies. And then it just skyrockets in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's just a product of the time, or... If Young Frankenstein, Killer Tomatoes, Rocky Horror, all these movies had influence on on producers. Yeah, like, and it's hard to pinpoint one thing and saying uh, said, we we can't answer, but I, I wonder, right? Whether this was a sharp turn in American Werewolf in London or a wide turn that started a few years back. Yeah, either way, I definitely think it's part of it. Yeah, it's part of the movement at least. Right. Yeah, so these movies aren't great, but like Arachnophobia and Tremors, like those franchises. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like those movies weren't being made in the seventies. So I guess I, I could have expected this, but uh, in the uh, Sight and Sound magazine did a poll of uh, critics and directors in 2012 to come up with like their greatest movies of all time or whatever, and uh, they had basically each person that they selected pick ten movies to, and they not in any kind of order, not in any kind of order, but just pick ten movies that are your top ten movies. Yeah, uh, one director picked an American Werewolf in London. It was Edgar Wright. Nice. Edgar Wright <laughs> as uh, his one of his ten greatest movies ever made. So I think it's certainly. Well, if he was here, he would vote yes. But yeah. we're not Eight. voting yet. We're not voting yet. I said we were. There's a secret 11th question we need to get to. <laughs> you made me miss. <laughs> my, my, my. Uh, okay, well, has the film aged well? First, uh, effects-wise, I think we already touched on that. We yeah, kind of right. disagree. I think the last part is... Would mm-hmm. you... I mean, is it a movie you would recommend to people to watch today? Or are you talking about the theme still being relevant? No, I, I'm skipping that one. It's, it is definitely something that I would say... In the month of October, if you're looking for horror movies, this is a great one to punch in there. Yes. Especially if you aren't the kind of person who really likes the terrifying horror. Right. And a lot of people don't. A lot of people don't like being scared by movies. And this is a movie that could, you know, people like to watch horror movies in October, but maybe they don't want to watch The Exorcist, or they don't want to watch something that will terrify them. Especially something that, a lot of horror movies are nihilistic and bleak. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to run through those. Something like this was a delight to watch. I think anybody who hasn't seen it, I would probably recommend to see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, one last question to consider before we vote. Is this movie The Great Wall? 2017. 
It's on the Google Doc now. Yeah, I added it. <laughs> oh, is you? Yeah. I just assumed it was Chris or TJ. The Brett. question is, is this movie not The Great Wall? <laughs> well, it's not, so... So it's automatic no? I, that was a good thing. If it's not The Great uh, Wall. Uh, it doesn't, I get it. It doesn't say that it's a good thing. It's just something for us to discuss. Well, I mean, the questions are... Well, it's hard. Subjective. This movie This movie is sorely... It's hard <laughs> considering if it is or is not The Great Wall. <laughs> I think it really suffers from the lack of Matt Damon with a little top bun. Yeah. How could you consider The Great Wall a remake of this movie? <laughs> well, there are the, 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 the Taute. I hope he dies at the end. I don't know. I haven't seen it yet. The Taute could be a long line of werewolves. That, uh, that's true. Yeah. The American kids that, maybe, that maybe, lost in China. Yeah, maybe the Greedy King was actually the first werewolf. Maybe the people also that the, made the wall are like the pub, the pub folk. Who know of I really like that we can do this now forever. And there's that can weird... we do this forever? It's trying to, trying to draw a Well, there's that weird between scene. the Great the... Wall and whatever movie. There's we're that doing. weird scene in the middle of the Great Wall where uh, he's not hungry and listens to CCR. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, he's looking out the back door of the wall. <laughs> the song just keeps up. He's looking out the back door of the wall. He opens it up. Giants do with cartwheels. Anyone want to do any final statements beforehand? What do y'all vote for? <laughs> <laughs> Tell me, hey, what we're doing, you're doing, what are you doing? I guess we, we've discussed it. But yeah, I like how the pub is people who are protecting themselves in the pub from the werewolves. The Great Wall protects all of China from the Tao Exactly. Yeah. How that bar witch jumped off the roof tied to that rope that one time. Yeah. That was crazy. Yeah. Is there any guilt that the people who built the wall feel for kind of doing a half measure instead of the full measure of... Destroying the Tao Yeah. They have gunpowder. Yeah. So. Yeah, they don't They don't let the rest of the world have the gunpowder. They use the weapon to fight the Tao Right. Kind of like the rest of the world doesn't know about the pentangle and the candles. That's right. Like exactly. The like word. That. Yeah. If you're just, you know, a hundreds-year-old pub. So this movie is the Great Wall. We're just talking. Yeah. Okay. So voting for this is like voting for the Great Wall. And, and, <laughs> and the Great Wall is fucking hilarious. <laughs> Have you guys not voted yet? I have not voted yet. Oh, I, I got mine. I thought that, that, that witty repartee about the Great Wall was going to be the filler while we all Does wrote the our votes. the person doing the submission read the votes? Yes. Yeah. Okay. It's my first time. <laughs> this way you... <laughs> we've all crumpled our, our sheets <laughs> so that you, can, you can't make tell. It indistinguishable. We, we immediately reveal who wrote what. <laughs> Didn't crumple it. Oh, is that supposed to? So now that TJ and David crumpled all of them, a new standard has been set. <clears throat> I crumpled mine, David. Fine. You can do it. That's fine. I don't know why you hate David. <laughs> Try to be nice right. to him. First submission: The Talk of Fame, American Werewolf in London. London. Made sure they were doing London and not Paris. But then you folded yours on the sticky side. Yeah. <laughs> we have an enjoyable, but no. Or maybe it's enjoyable, but. I mean, we have David Naughton's butt. A yes. Bang, 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 bang. We have a no. But make sure it survives. It's already. Will not make it in. Let's see to what degree. <laughs> Another no. You vote yes, David? Yep. Yeah. I vote the yes. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I found it somewhat delightful. Yeah, I enjoyed it. It just, I don't know. It just didn't, I don't know. Yeah, I try not to talk that much this talk of fame because fun. the moment that I opened my mouth about how I felt generally about the movie, it would have been clear how I was going to vote. <laughs> um, I thought that this movie's kind of throwaway. Yeah. Um, kind of a paper tiger when you consider good horror movies and good comedies at the time. 
And it is kind of a... Does it make you think of superior horror comedy? No, it makes you think of superior horror movies or superior comedy movies. And then the blend of the two is just kind of taking like a 50% effort at either. Okay. So it doesn't stake enough of a claim in either camp. Not really. I don't think it's... I'm I'm just never going to be big on um, like groundbreaking getting votes. Things getting votes because they were the first. Because of the influence. Yeah. Yeah, Well, the influence maybe. I think I would if it were big enough. If, if it were, but you know, it's yeah, yeah. If 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 we were to hold a vote on the third man, the third man is still today a fantastic movie. That when we go through the categories, if at any point we need to take a sidestep and say, but how groundbreaking was that? We're already admitting that like now that we're watching it, it's less enjoyable, mm-hmm. and we're we're giving it extra room for whatever reason. So for, for me, it had less to do about that. It was just the. For me, it was. I agree with Chris in the it's the mix of comedy and horror to me that just didn't quite. He for me, he never quite found his tone. He had lots of enjoyable scenes. There were a lot of scenes that I did enjoy in the movie, but it just never quite. I don't know. Found its voice for me. Yeah. At least on to the point where I want to. I want it to for this. Yeah, and I didn't. I would happily recommend the movie to a lot of people. Oh yeah, I would. Especially I know lots of people do horror movies in, in October, and I'm like, yeah, add this to your list. Watch this movie. Yeah. I liked it. It's a good movie. But if, you know, one of you guys forced me to rate it, it's a six out of ten, seven out of ten. For Sorry, me, on a I five just, point scale, I guess it's three and a half. I just loved watching it. Yeah. I just loved uh, being with this movie. Yeah, and it's also a movie that watching it, totally understandable. If someone like Edgar Wright says it's one of the ten best films ever made. I get it. Yeah. Sure. It's just not there for me. Yeah. Uh, I think the- I wonder if I wonder if horror is always it's gonna be tough. I wonder if horror movies are going to be tough for us to all for, for a movie to hit with all of us. Because it's a it's a tougher genre. Because after listening to your guys talk, there's only a handful of movies that truly terrify you. Mm-hmm. As far as horror movies go. I wonder if the hurdle, like you're talking about, the hurdle horror movies have is if they're not personally scary to you. Especially us now being in our, you know, in our 30s versus being like 15 years old. <laughs> or like 15 years old watching it. Yeah. You know, we don't get scared by movies anymore, really. Yeah, but there are movies that terrify me that I would not put... Right. That I don't think are great horror movies. And movies that mm-hmm. don't, that I think are great horror movies. Yeah. Okay. So that's not a... Cabin in the Woods is not horrifying at all. I think it's fantastic. And and I like, what's the one me and you and Cass watched six, six or seven years ago? Insidious? Yeah. Horrified to me. Scared the hell out of me. A horrible movie, I feel like. You know? Yeah. That's true. <laughs> that's not the only criteria on which I judge a horror movie, is right. whether it terrifies me. I mean, it can be... a it can be a bad movie and terrify me, and it could also be a great movie, not terrify me. Alien. So that that isn't what necessarily helped this back for me. Okay. Um, I do. I think the best thing that was said, and probably if I had to have a sentence about why I voted no, uh, I think Brett's struggling to find his voice. I don't think it was a struggle, but it definitely came across that way to me. I mean, I'm obviously not going to tell John Landis that he couldn't find, he didn't do it right, but... Mm-hmm. See, I love didn't, didn't sell to me. I would have enjoyed more <laughs> comedy or more horror, or like just more of one of the two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess maybe just being. I don't know. I know all of us are big fans of both, mm-hmm. or at least big fans of at least one of those. For myself, I just loved watching the movie. But the worst part for me was I think it really could be improved by being anchored by a charismatic lead performance. Yeah, yeah. Where David Nunn is. Uh, d- is the worst part of the movie. Yeah. He's the worst part of the movie, and the writing for his character is the worst part, too. Yeah. I think that, he, that dialogue was rough. The, he struggles with the, the comedy parts. I think he's 
he even struggles with the horror parts. Like when he's transforming and he's like in agony. Yeah. yeah. He's, he still kind of struggles. Yeah. But I think everything else in it I just loved and thought was really, really fun. Trying to get a little less clinical about it from my, my yeah. last two things. Convenient it's on your nomination. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's hard not to vote that way for my own nomination. Because I, I, I was excited to rewatch it. Yeah, and I enjoyed rewatching it. So it was more of a. So I know you had you had uh, had two movies in mind, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm glad you picked this because it was more of a mystery to me as to what my vote was going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wasn't sure going in what it was going to be. Do we want to wrap this up, or do we have a? I think that's it. American Werewolf in London gets shot in a alley by the police <laughs> just right after David said he loved it yeah. <laughs> it was like I love you and then the three of us shot it this, oh. is, this is my first no vote but oh, yeah. this makes me think that the movie that I select is going to fail with a 4-0 vote <laughs> it's, a, it's a tricky thing putting movies up for this so what are we doing for homework uh, next week who's assigning I think it's me get ready Chris we're going old we're going foreign uh, we're going to 1971. This film is uh, currently streaming on Filmstruck. Please say Il Topo. This actually goes by a lot of names. Uh, <laughs> Filmstruck On Filmstruck, you'll be looking for a film called A Bay of Blood. <laughs> we're going to stick with horror for, uh, for Halloween. A Bay of Blood, which is uh, widely considered to be the first slasher movie. Hmm, cool. The first uh, modern slasher movie. It's, I read a, a brief plot description, and it's about this, this man murdering his wife, and then the rest of the family also starts murdering each other to try to get the uh, inheritance whittled down for them. Nice. So it should be fun. It's also super short. It's an hour and 24 minutes. Is it, is it Italian? It's Italian. Okay. Cool. It's another one of the, the Gio, <clears throat> like Suspiria. Mario Bava, I think. Mario Bava is the director. Uh, have, you, have you seen it? I've seen Suspiria. Oh, is that the one you were talking about? Yeah, you told me. The Dario Argente, kind of the... Yeah. So this also the was janitor. released as Twitch of the Death Nerve. Nice. Oh. I like that name better. Bloodbath, yeah. Chain Reaction, and... Wait, what was the other... Uh, Last House on the Left Part 2, which had no connection to Last House on the Left Is there... Uh, That's so good. Oh, Carnage, also. Uh, it said the one... one uh, Film expert has said this movie might have uh, been released under more titles than any other movie ever made. <laughs> so it's apparently a very controversial movie still, and, and people are split as to whether it's any good or not. But cool. As we approach Halloween, we'll do one very bloody slasher movie, and then uh, I have a. Uh, it's not so much a game as much of an activity in mind. <laughs> oh gosh, we murder each other. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I was getting from that. We, we all make a list of the ten friends we could do without. I've been teaching Ashley how to edit the podcast. So <laughs> once we're all dead, we'll be able. It'll go to press. Yeah. What a way to go! Now it's going to be awkward if one of us gets murdered the next week. Yeah, <laughs> awkward. That's what it'll be. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh no, one of my best friends died. Chill. Oh, how awkward. But Ashley, make sure you still publish this. Yeah. Ooh, check please. <laughs> I'm implicated in my friend's murder. <laughs> oh my god, this is a three-picture deal with Disney. <laughs> <laughs> Bringing the talkie talk to rest. We've hit a great wall. <laughs> we have hit a great wall. And uh, this was Tap Tap Talk, the podcast <laughs> with a media by us. <laughs> Please visit the site and see our stuff, especially our, uh, our reviews are mm. uh, uh, popping like popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, please connect with us on Twitter and Gmail. We have uh, hyperlinks in the show notes and also our Facebook pages. Right. Check out our Movies by Us, TV by Us, and Games by Us Facebook groups. Also, our Facebook page has all of our activity. Um, we'd love to hear from you for podcast topics. Please uh, subscribe to the podcast and give us a review. Um, it's optional. We want to say thanks to the Willow Walkers for providing intro music. Thanks. Willow. I want to say thanks to Burifa for providing the outro music. Thanks. And I want to say thanks to you guys for being here. <laughs> and thanks, everybody, for listening. Bye. Is that the ironic noise you're talking about? <laughs> Did I do it? Did I do it right? Yep. Now it's time to patent scream cheese. <laughs> scream <laughs> cheese. I love it. The orange orange cream cheese. Yeah. Just just orange colored. No way this doesn't matter. Kicking rocks down old dusty roads. Small town slowpokes. Long time ago Kicking out records of all the things that I know